0: Father who art in heaven, the rocks cry out your faith. So come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. I will sing, sing. us not to temptation but deliver us with your hand in the name of jesus in the name of jesus we pray father we pray i will sing sing a new song i will sing sing
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Worship at Fusion this morning. We're so glad that you're joining us here in person as well as online. Welcome. At this time, I invite you to stand up and greet one another with the peace of Christ.
0: The Lord reigns, let the earth be good. In and praise his holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Let's rejoice and praise his holy name. Amen. Please
1: be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Did it work that time? It's good to see everyone today. I hope you're doing well. Um, now is the time we have the opportunity um, to send our children, um, those children that desire to go to um, down to children's ministry, um, out. And we do that with... Um, Yeah, a little refrain. And so the adults begin with, the Lord be with you, and the children answer, and also with you. Now, it's very important that the children hear us, so we want to speak loudly. And I'm convinced that they will speak loudly as well, so we hear them. So are we ready? Okay. The Lord be with you. All right. Thank you, Ms. Janet and Jill, for taking care of our young people. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, and we'll begin our time of prayer together with a reading from Psalm 63. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because because you are my help, I will sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Gracious Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming before you. And as we gather for worship this morning, we gather under the theme, teach us to pray. Lord, through the power of your spirit, teach us to pray. We give thanks for the many things that take place on this campus each Sunday morning. We thank you for celebration and the community that's already met and worshiped. We thank you for the new faces there, and we thank you for the five baptisms that are being planned in that community. We thank you for Watershed that's now concluding its service across campus. As they wrestle with Teach Us to Pray, they're wrestling with that in light of a baptism this morning and a profession of faith as well. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for how you are moving across this campus. We thank you for the new people you are bringing to us, people who are coming because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you are transforming them through that. And so Lord, we pray and we ask and we petition, teach us to pray. Prayer isn't something that comes natural, but as we learn to pray, Lord, you use our prayers to shape our desires and to shape our dreams so they become in line with your word. As we pray, Lord, also help us to be a people who listen well, that when we bring our petitions before you, that we actually pause and that we actually listen, and we seek to discern the movement of your spirit in our lives that are calling things to our attention, and when you bring things to our attention, Lord, may we be attentive to those things. May we not dismiss them. And so as we learn to pray, as we request that you teach us to pray, as we learn to pray, learning to pray helps us to pray for others and help us to learn how to pray for other people, both in their joys and in their struggles. Even as we pray for those in our community who are struggling with mental health issues, who are struggling with physical ailment, who are struggling with loneliness. Help us to pray for them. As we pray for them, equip us to care well for others. Challenge us, move in us, encourage us to walk alongside those people, to ask how we're doing. How can we walk with you? How can we support you? How can we care well for you? And Lord, as we pray, teach us to pray. Help us us to learn to listen to listen in our prayers. Help us to listen to other people as we pray. Help us to be conscious of the things that are being said around us. And as we pray, let us pray for discernment and wisdom, how we speak into those situations, how we speak into people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with grace and with humility, but with truth. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us to pray, Because as we learn to pray, you shape and mold us. You remind us that you are in control, that this is your world, not our world. And as we come to grasp the truth that this is your world, it's much easier to be content, to take rest in who you are and how you're at work, even when it doesn't make sense to us. And so, Lord, we pray, teach us to pray. The beautiful thing about that request, Lord, is... It's the same request that the disciples made. Disciples made to Jesus. They came to him and they'd heard him pray. They'd walked with him. They'd heard him teach. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus responded to their request by teaching them these words Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Darwin. And once again, good morning. morning. I got to say it one more time. Good morning. Good morning. morning. It is uh, good to be back. I'm Pastor JB, If, if we haven't met. Uh, would love that opportunity. After afterward, we got some donuts and some coffee, and um, glad to see you here this morning. Uh, it is good to be here. We were we just returned from a couple weeks away visiting family out in California, and uh, it was a, a wonderful trip. And uh, and yet it's also good to be back, uh, sleeping in our own bed, but also in this place. I hope you hope you know that. It is good to be back to see you and be with you this morning. A couple quick things before we jump in. we got a lot to, to get into, but a couple quick things, some announcements. Uh, we, we have Summer Serve Week in a week from tomorrow, I believe, if my dates are, are lining up. A week from tomorrow, Summer Serve Week. If you don't know what Summer Serve Week is, it's a bunch of junior hires that get together from area churches, churches. Uh, meet, stay here for the week and do service projects around our local community. Uh, And there is a need for some baked goods. So if you love to to bake cookies or brownies or whatever it is, uh, email Pastor Mary, mary at heartofbake.com. She would love to receive some baked goods. If you got a few extra, you can send them to the office. We never turn those down either. Um, otherwise um, a couple other things some opportunities to pray we're in a series called teach us to pray and uh, this Tuesday again the sanctuary will be open uh, from 7 a.m. till about 9 or 10 a.m. just a a space to pray I I hope to be there I plan to be there uh, a quiet place just an intentional place to pray if you're like if you're anything like me like just that intentionality and, and getting somewhere helps me in that way. Uh, also, uh, I sent an email, a couple emails. They were scheduled. I wasn't writing emails while on vacation, but they were scheduled ahead of time. Uh, and um, we are gonna—we're looking to do an outing, and a couple people have responded that they'd be interested in doing an outing where we're gonna—we're gonna hike up Mount Pisgah. Am I saying that right, Pisgah? Okay, I'm saying that. Okay, Mount Pisgah, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of prepare and kind of observe and pray along that hike, and then kind of reflect together. And then after that, we'll do some Captain Sunday. So if you're interested in that, um, yeah, everyone's like Captain Sunday. I'm in. I'm in. Um, if you're interested in that, email me, and we'll find a date that works for for the majority of people who are interested. Uh, as well as uh, I know, Pastor Corey mentioned this. The pastors and some of us are reading a book. Uh, I actually finished it on vacation, but it's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And if you're interested, kind of a companion guide, a practical guide with prayer exercises, pick that up if you want to talk about it. I would love that opportunity as well. Coffee would be on me. Deep breath. Oh, and if you're interested in any of those things, email me at jb at jb Nate, youth director Nate, youth pastor Nate, he always has the kids repeat that over and over. I won't do that, but jb at Super simple. All right, let's jump in. We are back in our summer series uh, on the Lord's Prayer titled Teach Us to Pray. As Darwin uh, reminded us, we've been slowly working our way through the movements of the prayer uh, to uncover the beauty and the wonder and the power found in these words that for many of us, have become all too familiar. And there's something beautiful about the familiarity. We've been talking about that. There's something beautiful about memorizing words and reciting those together. Uh, But in that familiarity, sometimes uh, we, we, we miss some of the meaning. We forget the meaning of the words that we are saying together. And so this summer, it's all about slowing down and looking at what we are praying when we pray the Lord's Prayer. We've already considered the opening address in the first couple uh, weeks, Our Father in Heaven, that reminded us of God's goodness as our, as our Heavenly Father, as well as God's greatness as a God who dwells in Heaven, who is powerful and almighty. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Corey uh, Pluckmeyer reminded us of the importance of worship and what does it mean to hallow God name and and what does that mean for us in our posture and he talked about this humble audacity, a beautiful word on on our posture toward God as God's children that we can approach him with with this audacity and yet this humility as well. This week we consider the second petition in the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come. In other words what we're going to be exploring together is is what is God's kingdom and what does it mean for us to pray uh, that this kingdom of God Come here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, now again, uh, we're going to be using for our scripture uh, Matthew six verses nine through thirteen, uh, the Matthew's um, telling of Jesus teaching the Lord's prayer found in the Sermon of the Mount. And uh, I, I mentioned this about three weeks ago, but we're going to use some different translations to kind of to get us out of that familiarity and kind of hear kind of some different ways to translate these words that are originally written in the Greek. And this morning, we're going to be using the King James Version. And if, if you, the King James Version is the first English translation uh, translated centuries ago. And so what you're going to notice as we recite the King James Version is that, that, that ending that we're so familiar with for thine is the kingdom of the power it's included in the king james version uh, because during that time that's the manuscripts they had at the time that was part of it uh, since that translation earlier manuscripts have been uncovered we're, we're they're finding new things that teach us about the scriptures every day in archaeology it's a beautiful thing but some earlier manuscripts that didn't include that that final tagline and so more modern translations don't include it, but it's still in line with Scripture. It's Anyway, so we're going to read from the King James Version together, recite, pray these words together this morning, and if you're willing and able, I would invite you to stand as we read, as we recite God's Word together. I know we recited it during the prayer, but I think we'll all agree we can say it again. It's still good for us. Amen? So uh, I will begin with that first line, and then you will join in at the beginning of Our Father. After this manner, therefore, pray ye together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And you may be seated. Let's continue praying to our Lord together. Gracious God, we, we do thank you for these words that we just prayed. We, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for teaching your disciples, long ago, these words, words that by your spirit have been preserved and are passed to us, your disciples today. And so Lord, as, as we learn to pray these words, as we, as we learn this prayer that shapes all of our prayers and as we learn to live into these prayers, God, we pray that your spirit would continue to speak to us this morning as we study your word. Give us teachable spirits so that we might be formed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray all these things and God's people say together, amen and amen. It is, uh, I don't have to tell you this, but it's mid-July, you're aware of the, uh, the time of year. It's mid-July, it's summer in, in West Michigan. This is like this is like our season, right? Like summer is where it's at. And so it's a beautiful thing. But in the sporting world, uh, mid-July is, is kind of, is kind of no man's land, and uh, where there's really not a lot happening in mid-July typically. There's baseball, and I get there's baseball, and baseball is a wonderful thing. But baseball has 160 games, and so it's kind of hard to find. But but football's done, and basketball's done. By the way, women's World Cup's coming up, so there's some exciting stuff. I don't want to diminish July, but but that being said, by 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 now most of you understand and know who my favorite football team is. Do you know this? Do I mention it too much? You're laughing, which I'm like, ooh, maybe I need to find new illustrations. But my favorite football team is Packers. Yeah, I just got you all to say Packers. I I stopped short of saying, go Pack, go. Uh, But yeah, my favorite football team is is the Packers. And we'll throw a picture of there. I've done a pretty intentional, pretty good job of making sure that my family knows who the greatest NFL football franchise is. Uh, Yvonne will say she's a Packer fan by marriage and by marriage only, uh, but there's some various pictures of, of my kids wearing a variety of different Packer gear, and uh, it just warms my heart. It just makes me happy and warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, I'm overstating it a bit. Anyway, that kind of sets the stage because I, I'm going to show you something, an image, and, and, I, and I hesitate to do so because the image I'm about to show you is so shocking and so repulsive uh, that, that I hesitate even putting it on the screen. But it is a picture of me and my older brother uh, at a very young and I must say very impressionable age. And uh, Glenn, you can go ahead and, and, see, um, and if you look closely, <laughs> how dare you? And yeah, uh, we got a couple Bears fans. If you notice real closely, we are wearing uh, a Bears outfit. Chicago Bears outfit, and if you look really closely, I I think there's matching shorts, kind of like a Zuba-inspired shorts, uh, where, you know, anyway, we we were young. I'm sure we didn't pick out our own outfits. Um, but the, in the picture there is my is my grandpa Poppy, and uh, Poppy grew up in Chicago, huge Chicago sports fan, and so uh, he did his best to do what I did to my kid, um, i doing to my kids, right? And so he got us some Chicago Bears stuff. By the way, that was late '80s, uh, and so that was kind of like the prime of Chicago Bears sports legacy, and it was pre 1992. And if you're a Packers fan, anyway, it got exciting after <laughs> after '92. So anyway. All that's kind of fun. And, uh, but, but I, I kind of mention that because there's these rivalries, and maybe you're not part of the Bears-Packers rivalry, but there's some other sports rivalries. And, and, you, and, and, you, and, if, you, and if you're like U of M, who's, who's, right? Yeah, okay, we've got some U of M, and then there's MSU, the other side of it. A little more, repra- and then there's OSU. Yeah, I know, Steve, yeah. Uh, Ohio State. We'll, we'll shield his identity from other, yeah. Uh, more locally, Hope and Calvin, you know, so go Hope. Anyway. Sorry, okay, okay, yeah, I know, I know. This will all come together at the end of this message. But anyway, you have these rivalries, right? And, 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 and you can casually root for other teams, but if, if it's the team that is your rival you are gonna root against them no matter what, right? You cannot root for your rival. In fact, you'll tune in to their games just so you can watch and hope that they lose and you can watch the suffering of the fan base as their team loses in some horrible fashion, right? And some of you are, are like listening to this sports rivalry and you're like, you guys are nuts. I don't, I don't even get this. Like, what, what is this rivalry thing? I don't get it. And, and for you, I'll just say, that's a much healthier posture. That's better for your, your overall well being. Um, but maybe even if, you, if you're not passionate about a, a, a sports team or, or you're not part of some fan base, my guess is that all of us are passionate about other things. And for many of us, maybe we're, many of us we're, were passionate about certain causes or organizations or things that have far more implications in our world. Right? organizations or causes that are far more consequential and are doing good work in our local community or even beyond. And as we think about those things that we're passionate about, those things that we're hoping will come to fruition in our world, we're beginning to get a little more closer to the idea found in Jesus' prayer of kingdom. This morning, what I want to explore are the three words in this prayer more in detail, your Kingdom come. I'm going to explore each of those three words. We're going to begin with the word kingdom. Your kingdom come. Now, when I say the word kingdom, it's not a word we typically use here in the United States because, quite frankly, that's just not our system of government, right? We don't live under a monarchy or an empire in a traditional sense. In fact, the word kingdom, when I think of the word kingdom, uh, my mind goes to kind of the title of certain theme parks, right? Like Disney's Magic kingdom or animal kingdom because this, this word kingdom points to something in our past that we're kind of, it's kind of surrounded by fantasy like Lord of the Rings, King. right? It's, it's kind of this word that we just don't use, something from long ago. Uh, But kingdom was a word that was a very real reality uh, in the first century when Jesus was gathering disciples and teaching them to pray. In fact, in the ancient Greek, the word for kingdom is basileia. I won't have you repeat that one, but basileia is derived from the Greek word for king, basileus. And because of that, kingdom is actually a really helpful definition because the word kingdom derives from the word for king, Properly, uh, a kingdom refers to the realm in which a king sovereignly rules. In other words, all areas and arenas in which the king holds power and influence and authority, that is part of the kingdom, the reign of the king. Again, the United States, as a United States citizen, this is not our everyday experience, right? Because we don't live in a kingdom, we live in a democracy or rather a, a democratic republic. We, we elect representatives to represent us in government and that's a beautiful, wonderful thing, something we're all very thankful for that we have a voice in our government but we're not familiar with this idea of kingdom as not, not at least in our everyday reality but it was the reality of an ancient, the ancient Jewish people living in Jesus' time and the kingdom that they lived under was the Roman Empire. It was an empire really And in the scriptures, this word kingdom is is used often, over and over and over in the New Testament scriptures. Kingdom, in fact, is used over 160 times in the New Testament. It's used over 100 times in the four gospels. And in the, the gospel of Matthew alone, it's used over 50 times. It is a word and an idea that is used over and over in the teaching of Jesus. In fact, if you carefully read the scriptures, you'll notice that Jesus' stated purpose... The primary central focus of his earthly ministry was to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus' central purpose was to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter four, we read uh, this summary of, of, some of, his, of his, this summary statement of, his, of the reason why he was sent. We read this in verse 42. "At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Uh, the people were looking for him. Jesus has been healing in the region there and, and casting out demons and healing people of various diseases. So people are looking for him, but he goes to a solitary place to, to pray. And people are looking for him. When they came to him, he, he, where he was, He tried, and they tried to keep him from leaving them. I mean, if you've got a guy who's healing all these diseases, you want to hold on to him, right? You don't want him to leave. But this is what he says. He says, I must proclaim The good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea, that region. You see, Jesus' primary purpose here on earth, in his earthly ministry, was not to be a great moral teacher, though he was. It was not to be some great thinker or philosopher, though he was brilliant, He was not here primarily to be some personal self-help guru or life coach, as sometimes moderns begin to believe. He was here to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And the good news that he preached was about something far more important, far more consequential than just individual salvation, personal salvation. Jesus came to proclaim and bring forth a new kingdom. And he was not here to to simply empower, install a new human monarch in Israel and, and, and reestablish the kingdom of Israel. No, he was here for something greater and bigger and more expansive and beyond what the people could have imagined at that time. He was talking about the kingdom of God, the rule, the reign, the sovereign will of the Lord Almighty, Yahweh. Which brings us to the second word that we're going to explore this morning, which is, Whose kingdom we're speaking of? Your kingdom. Your kingdom come. In Jesus' prayer, we have addressed our Father in heaven, and we follow that up with your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Come, we are addressing the Father who is in heaven, the God who is good as our Father, who loves his children, the God who is great, who is almighty and powerful, and we're talking about that God, the one true God's kingdom. The kingdom of God, or in Matthew's gospel, it's the same, it means the same thing, the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. We're praying for God's rule, God's reign, God's sovereign will to come, God's good kingdom to be the way and rule of life in our world. Are we catching it, right? God's kingdom. Now, again, we don't use this language of kingdom in our, in our modern context. In fact, the only other time I, I, I think I really hear this language of kingdom is really in church circles. And the temptation, uh, when we use it in church or Christian circles, that in some ways it it takes on this this spiritual or heavenly meaning, which which it has, certainly. But originally, for the the people living in the empire, the Roman Empire, under uh, the rule and reign of, of Caesar, this language of kingdom... Had a very material and earth, it was an earthy, it was a tangible here and now word. And in fact, this language of kingdom is a very politically charged word in the first century. See, we might not use kingdom to describe different things or or, or influences or forces in our world, but the, the truth is that we could call them different kingdoms. Uh, competing kingdoms, there are are tons of competing kingdoms in our modern context, systems and forces and influences and ideas that that are pressing in on our world and trying to move our world and influence our world in different directions. See, most people in our world can can look around and we can acknowledge that we look at our world, we see there's brokenness. Things are not as it should be. In fact, most people look around, they recognize that there's brokenness, there's even evil in this world. And as Christians, we would say that that brokenness and that evil in this world is evidence, right, that there are other kingdoms and powers at work all around us. Again, we we, we might not call them kingdoms, but there are all kinds of things that influence and rule and move in our world. Let's think about some examples. Certainly, um, governments would be an example. Nations and governments and states on a national state or, or, or local level, they have a huge impact on what happens in our world. And so when countries across the ocean uh, come into conflict or there's invasion like Russia and Ukraine, like that has an influence on our lives as well. Uh, or, or governments not only globally but nationally. Our own government has a huge impact. Our national government, our state government, our local governments all has an impact on our lives today. But there's other systems at work as well. Economics, markets, free markets, and when that market, you know, that that has an influence on our world. Corporations and businesses have a huge influence. These multi-billion dollar businesses and industries have a huge impact. Uh, Kind of narrowing in, what about culture? Culture is actually this umbrella term, but that's a huge one that's filled, our culture is filled with subcultures within it that influence and shape different ideologies and values that shift over time, and and we're experiencing some of those shifts right now, right, in our culture, and behind or maybe even underneath all of it is this, this spiritual dynamic at play. You know, in our modern world, we, we, we often separate the spiritual and the, and the material or spiritual and, and earthly. But in, in the ancient world, these things were overlapping and interconnected, as evidenced in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, when Paul says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We're going to talk more about those spiritual dynamics in a few weeks but these are all interconnected that there are these competing kingdoms at play in our world. Now here's the temptation. We like simplicity, like right? we, we're drawn towards simplicity. And in our world, simplicity uh, leads us to, to label things good or bad, right? We want to say that, that this business or this corporation's good, this one's bad, or, or this political party's good, this one's bad, or this nation's good. Or we, want, we want simplicity, so we label things good or bad. But the reality of this world and life is things aren't that simple. In fact, often all, all these different competing kingdoms and forces, many of them have redeemable elements that we can affirm. A secular organization that's doing relief work, we can say, yes. That is good work. We can get on board with that. And at the same time, all of these different competing kingdoms have a number of things that we would would not affirm. And all of them, even some things, have some things about them that we would wholeheartedly reject. It's not as simple as we want to make it to be good or bad, right? these competing kingdoms. And this leads us to a natural question that we have to ask ourselves when we start considering these competing kingdoms and forces is what happens when some of these competing kingdoms start to rub up or push up against God's kingdom and the values and the purposes of God's kingdom when they come into conflict? We have to ask ourselves, well, where where does our allegiance lie? What kingdom are we really part of? Where are my priorities? Where are my allegiances? As Christians, our, our primary citizenship is actually in the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven. And so when these competing kingdoms come as, as governments, right, as, as, as cultures, or uh, begin to compete or come in conflict with, with God's kingdom, maybe even the political party we affiliate with, when it begins to compete with God's kingdom, there will become a time when we must choose how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond when things are kind of butting heads? And if we think our earthly allegiances will always align with God's kingdom, then I think we're being either naive or we're being deceived, right? We have to be aware and always discerning. Now let's bring that to kind of more of a lighthearted illustration, okay? The sports illustration, sports team. I have a, a lot of different friends, and what I've found is is when I have good friends who are who are fans of other teams, I just naturally my inclination is kind of to like, kind of become a casual fan of that team So when I lived in California, one of my housemates was a huge Dodgers fan and we went to a Dodgers game and that was an experience but anyway, went to a dodgers game and, and i and I kind of casually started rooting for the dodgers right and uh and and, and that's okay right we're kind of rooting for the Dodgers. Or or I see Nate here. Nate's a big Lions fan. And so like, you know, I'm a Packer fan, but I kind of hope they're not awful, you know? (laughs) I I hope for Nate's sake that the the Lions are kind of good and kind of secretly. I would never share that in front of a group of dozens of people, but I kind of hope that they do decently well for the people that I love. There's other Lions fans here, right? But here's the thing. When the Dodgers are playing the Brewers, Am I casually rooting for the Dodgers? No! No, I want the Brewers to... to I, anyway, I've I, I got to catch myself. I, I want them to win really really a lot. <laughs> or if the Packers are playing the Lions, do I want the Lions? No, I want the Packers to win because when... I can kind of catch... But, when, but I'm a Packer fan. So here's the thing, I I can be involved and I should be involved in the world. I think God calls us to be involved in the world. I I think God calls us uh, to work in business, to lead corporations, to own businesses, to, to hire people, to participate in government, to vote in elections, to have opinions, even be part of a political party, that's okay. But we have to understand, and we even have to understand the cultural influences that are all at work. But we always have to remember where our ultimate allegiance lies. It is not in those things that we're part of. Our ultimate allegiance lies is that we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we are for the values, we are for the work of Jesus Christ by the power of the spirit through the church in this world, working toward that kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are part of causes that, 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 that serve people's needs and love people because we're called to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we should be part of things that are, that are serving our, our neighbor, that are, that are protecting the innocent, that are, that are serving the poor and the marginalized and the disenfranchised in our world. Yes, we should be all part of that because that's part of the kingdom vision of redeeming and restoring a world that's broken. And we can do that being part of other organizations, but our ultimate allegiance is to the kingdom of God and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which brings us naturally to the third word in this prayer, your kingdom come. This question around what does the kingdom coming look like? What does it mean for the kingdom to come so that we know what we are praying for when we say your kingdom come? And if we want to know what the kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven looks like, we need to look no further than Jesus Christ himself. We look at Jesus' ministry and we see what the kingdom coming looks like. After all, this was, again, Jesus' primary purpose here coming to earth to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. By the way, a purpose that he fulfilled himself He fulfilled the the good news of the kingdom of God himself when he he walked Calgary and he, he died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose again. He fulfilled the kingdom purposes by redeeming and restoring a relationship that had been broken long ago between us and our heavenly father. That is the good news of the gospel. It is complete. It is full in Jesus Christ. The work is finished. And yet 2,000 years later, we we look around and we recognize that, that we're still waiting for Jesus Christ to come again. And when Jesus comes again, he will fully redeem and restore this world that has been broken. And in the meantime, we look around and we still see evidence of sin and death, evil and brokenness is evident and at work in this world. When we look at Jesus' life in the gospels, what do we see? we see how the kingdom of God moves into the neighborhood. And when Jesus, who is the kingdom of God, right, moves into the neighborhood, it pushes out competing kingdoms that have no place. Jesus Christ moves into the neighborhood and, different f- and, and forces out competing kingdoms of this world that cause death, destruction, and chaos. And we see that evidence. Jesus prays for the kingdom to come and he teaches his disciples to do the same. And then what does Jesus do? He lives into this prayer and he lives into this kingdom coming and he teaches his disciples to do the same. And how does Jesus live into this prayer? Well, in Matthew's gospel, we have this beautiful summary of Jesus' ministry Matthew 4, verses 23 through 24. Let's get there. We read this Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. Jesus gives us a model. What does the kingdom come look like? It looks like the gospel the good news of the kingdom proclaimed, spoken, and it, look, and it looks like sickness, disease, healed. Demons, spiritual powers, cast out because they have no place in the kingdom of God. For Jesus, healing every disease and sickness, casting out demons, was the kingdom of God stepping into this world and saying, disease, sickness, Demon, you have no place in this kingdom. Be gone. This is how Jesus' ministry begins, Matthew and Mark and Luke. Jesus is baptized. Jesus is tested in the wilderness. He then announces the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And immediately after that, he begins healing people of all different diseases and illnesses and casting out demons. That's a summary of the early work of Jesus in the region of Galilee, Right? Then we fast forward a little bit to, to Luke chapter 8. What happens? Luke, or Jesus then shows his disciples how to do this work. He's showing them. He's, he's showing them what does it look like to cast out, to, to, to heal people. And then in the next chapter, Luke 9, what happens? 1 through 6, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. He says, now it's your turn. 12 apostles, you go out. You proclaim the good news of the kingdom, and you begin healing people, right? And then in Luke chapter 10, the mission expands. And now he's sending out the 72 disciples, a broader group of disciples, to go to every village in that region to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to heal every disease and cast out demons. The kingdom of God moving into the neighborhood and is making a real tangible impact in the lives of real tangible people in that region in that time. The kingdom of God, yes, is something we pray for. Absolutely, your kingdom come and it's something that we live into and participate in as disciples of Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus sent out the 12, sent out the 72, he sends us out into this world that he's called us to serve and love so that people would know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Are you with me? (laughs) And friends, I guess, here's here's the question that, that I wanna leave you with today. The question to ponder. As we think about praying your kingdom come, as we think about then living into that prayer and participating in that kingdom coming. I just invite each of us to, to consider and ponder, how is, how is God calling us to live into the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God coming here on earth as it is in heaven today. Take some time this morning or this afternoon or maybe this week in prayer, considering and asking God, inviting God to, to show you what is, what is God calling me into in this season. Each season has its own degree of 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 opportunities and challenges, right? Maybe for you, God is is calling you um, into a deeper prayer life. And and for you, uh, God is is saying, I, I, I want I want you to have a more fervent and, and disciplined prayer life and. And, and, and prayer aligns our heart with God's heart, right? Prayer, prayer keeps our priorities in check. Prayer helps us discern where, where is God's kingdom intersecting and, and where is it, right? Prayer is a powerful way that reminds us whose agenda and whose kingdom and whose team we are on, prayer. Maybe, maybe God's prompting you to, to deeper prayer. Or maybe God's calling you to, to step out in faith, And to live into this prayer in in a specific, tangible way. Maybe God's calling uh, or moving in your heart for the brokenness that that you've witnessed in this world in a specific way. or, Or revealing how you can step in and participate in God's healing work in this world. Maybe some of you are already doing that. And the Spirit is just affirming that work in your life. Maybe you're, you're in the medical field or counseling and, and those are kind of some obvious ones and God's like, yeah, keep keep doing that work in my name. Maybe God's calling you to some relief work and God's been kind of stirring in your heart a passion for some people who've been impacted by different things in different parts of the world or even right here locally. Maybe there's some issues locally that, that God is just moving in your heart, things that are affecting our local community, like like food availability or affordable housing, and, and God's like, I, "I want you to step into that." I don't know. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's not so much action, but it's, it's the words you speak. And you're like, "Yeah, I can get involved in different organizations, and I, and I love to pray, but, but I really have a hard time sharing my faith or even just engaging with, with my neighbors. And and maybe God's kind of, the Spirit's prompting your heart to, to just step out and, and meet some of your neighbors. And, and when the opportunity presents itself to, to share your faith and what you believe about Jesus Christ and, and what he means and how he's impacted your life and to point them to the source of a God who loves them as a good parent loves their child, to point them to the source of a God who's able to bring healing and wholeness in their lives and a God who meets us in our time of need by his power, his presence, and this freedom that's found in Jesus Christ. Maybe God is just kind of prompting your heart to to be a little more bold about living out and expressing your own faith. Ponder. Invite the Spirit. Spirit. To nudge and to follow that nudge. See, friends, as we bring this to a close, much of much of what we're talking about, as we think about the Your Kingdom come, much of it is about perspective and priority. There are uh, there are tons of things that we're passionate about. Um, there's th- tons of things that we get real excited about. Whether it's you know, pretty trivial things like sports teams, and I'll be the first to confess that I I care way too much about my sports teams, right? Um, Or maybe there's things that that are far more consequential and and we're passionate about, like global or national issues or politics or causes or organizations. But whatever it is that you're passionate about, beyond and, and beyond all of those things is this thing we call the kingdom of God. God's kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven. And that, friends, takes the priority. You see, with my, with my silly obsession with a sports team, I, every year I get reminded uh, of perspective around my sports team because, I don't know if you know this, um, but every year, every team in every sport except for one, loses. And uh, some early on, some in heartbreaking fashion, and anyway, anyway, and, and, and when my sports team lose, it shouldn't take me this long, but it's always this, this reminder that, you know what, this isn't that important, and I try to remind myself during the season, it's, it's really not as important as I often make it to be, and I don't know if you know this, but um, maybe you do know this, but Pastor Aaron over at Watershed, uh, he grew up in the Chicago area, so guess who his favorite football team is? Dub errors, yeah. And I don't know if this is like God's weird sense of humor, or, but the previous church I served for 10 and a half years, my ministry partner, Bob, he grew up in Chicago. <laughs> you know what his favorite team was? The Bears. Side note, the, the Monday night, uh, the Bears broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Bob was at my house watching the game together. And I said, never again, buddy. You're not... You're not coming over anymore f- to watch <laughs> this. So I got some healing and redemptive work to do. But as I think about that, I, it kinda, again, it's kind of a silly example, but it, but it really reminds me of something that's truly important. That the good news of the kingdom of God is more important than all of these, at the end of the day, kind of trivial things that, that divide us even the more consequential things that that are dividing us today as a nation, as communities, what unites us as followers of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, is far more important. And the kingdom of God can, yes, unite Packers and Bears fans. It can unite U of M and MSU and Ohio State fans, believe me. Even more, it can can unite rich and poor, black and white, liberal, conservative, whatever divide. The kingdom of God is more consequential, more important than all of these things that the world tells us we should fight over. Because at the end of the day, as disciples of Jesus Christ, our prayer and our hope and the thing that guides how we live is that we want to see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And as we enter in, as we participate in that work, our hope comes in knowing that one day Jesus Christ will come again and that reality will be fulfilled in ways beyond what we can imagine or hope for. And that is the good news of the kingdom of God, amen? Let's pray and ask God to to reveal these things to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your kingdom. Lord, we look around at the chaos and the brokenness of our world. We look around at all the different competing kingdoms and influences and powers and structures in our world. And and Lord, it can become overwhelming. And Lord, it's easy for us to, to lose hope when we see the division and we see the, the 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 violence and the discord in our world but Lord we take hope in knowing Lord Jesus that you came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and Lord that kingdom came when Jesus Christ you willingly out of love for each of us laid down your life you died on the cross Three days later, Lord, you conquered sin and death by rising from the grave. And Lord, one day you promise, Lord Jesus, that you will come again and you will make all things new. Lord, may that be our hope. May that give us courage. May that give us strength to continue to persevere and pursue your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, guide us, lead us, and move in and through us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.
0: Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us. Jesus, yours, please.
2: Living into those prayers and, and this call to participate in, in God's kingdom, uh, I realize that that can become overwhelming or intimidating, and we might be afraid that we're going to get it wrong. And uh, let me just tell you, you will get it wrong. <laughs> like we're going to mess up. And um, but but our hope is not found in our ability to bring the kingdom because it's not our job to bring it. We participate in God's work and. I love the song we just sang because it reminds us that our hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he is doing in this world. And and so I just want to read these words, which I, I believe the song is based on the kind of part of the opening words of Uh, of Peter's uh, first epistle. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, and hear this, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And so when we participate in God's work, we do it freely um, and boldly in the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you hear that message as well this morning. As you go from here, as you enjoy some donuts, some coffee, some time of connection, go with this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, and the fellowship, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. God's people say, amen.